The views expressed on the patient's perspective come directly from patients, so they are not intended to diagnose, treat, or replace professional medical advice. Information coming from the patient's perspective is for entertainment and educational purposes only, so if you have any health concerns regarding yourself or anyone else, please see a physician. The Patient's Perspective is a podcast created by patients for patients and does not focus on any specific disease or condition. Content may make you laugh, cry, and question your moral beliefs surrounding healthcare and the many issues patients run into while in the system. Finally, the most important point of view is cast into the light. The Patient's Perspective. Today on The Patient's Perspective, Sexism in Healthcare Settings, Feeling the Need to Bring a Male Spouse into Your Appointment. Hi everyone, I'm Kyla, and today I'm speaking with Heather and Justin from Ohio. Heather originally came from Michigan, And while she was living in Michigan, she began to have symptoms. Most of them are undiagnosed at this time. So some of the lists of the diseases that Heather has is degenerative disc disease, which resulted in a failed uh, back surgery that resulted in nerve damage. Chronic migraines, along with neural deficits, And currently, Heather has fairly dramatic memory loss. And again, the memory loss is undiagnosed at this time. Polycystic ovary syndrome, as well as, and of course, I didn't have this. This one I wanted to read right off our uh, messaging. Myalgic encephalomyelitis. Do you know how it's pronounced, Heather? I just say ME because I cannot pronounce that. So. <laughs> I, I, with, uh, in, in terms of anyone listening to the podcast, if we get things wrong, we apologize in advance. So <laughs> I, I sort of know how to um, refer to some of these conditions just due to my own experiences. But uh, again, we are not professionals in terms of being able to um, say the correct terms all the time. So... Heather, you are now a, uh, you guys are living in Ohio now, and you are a stay-at-home mom, and you feel at this point in time that you're unable to kind of do anything throughout the day, and you, we already spoke about this earlier, um, you feel that your physical conditions was a reason why you ended up getting let go from your job, correct? Yeah, um, I was on leave for I believe six months after my surgery, uh, I was forced to go back, even though I wasn't healed, obviously. Um, And that next year in June, I had asked for accommodations and 
that was when they let me go. So it was kind of obvious <laughs> why they let me go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that's, we've already said that that's a whole other, whole other podcast for today <laughs> or other than today. But um, so for today, we're going to focus on what you and I were discussing because it was really interesting. You and I had lots of common situations when we first met and you, as well as I both had the experience where we felt that we had to bring our spouses to appointments for myself. It was for a hormonal allergen and it was the allergist that I had been referred to. And I had seen him already a few times and all my tests room had come out negative but I had videos for him to see, and he didn't want to take a look at them, even though an immunodermatologist already had referred me back to him, stating that she felt that I had this condition. So it wasn't until I brought in my spouse at the last meeting that there was enough pressure on him to take a look at the videos. And that is when he finally admitted that my symptoms may be correlated with what's called progesterone allergy. But your situation was different. I'm quite interested to hear about this because your experience was that you dealt with that with female doctors as well as male doctors. So I guess all that we can say is um, what, uh, why did you feel like you had to, to go about and, and do that, bringing your spouse to the appointments? Um, well, because I have experience with I mean, I've probably seen thousands of doctors in multiple states, um, and the majority of these issues when they happen in Michigan, I was seeing female doctors. Um, I didn't, you know, usually I would choose to see a female doctor because I figured they would listen <laughs> instead of seeing a male. Um, however, sometimes I was forced to see a man and they would treat me the same way. Um, the only I think the only male doctor that ever actually listened was the neurosurgeon uh, when I had, a, they had done an MRI and x-rays and he was like, Hey, you need surgery, which of course failed, <laughs> but he didn't question, you know, my pain or anything. Um, but for instance, like pain management after my surgery, the whole office was women, uh, female doctors and physician assistants and nurses. Um, and they question me nonstop. Um, so that, you know, kind of led me to believe that was at the time, my biggest medical issue was the surgery. And I had never dealt with pain like that before. So I assumed they would believe me, <laughs> um, but that was not the experience. And, you know, when I moved to Ohio, I again saw female doctors, uh, except for like a cardiologist that was a man. Um, and the females still didn't listen to me. Uh, and it, to the point like that, when I told you the neurologist office, the one that I had just kicked me out actually, had all females except for the senior doctor who was a man, um, who basically ran the practice in the hospital. Uh, when I had called him out over a message and all the women in the office actually thanked me when I came in the next time, because, he never listened to them either. <laughs> so it's clear it's not, you know, just patients that they're not listening to. But I also had could compare it because for so many years, I hadn't even met my husband yet. So I didn't have someone to go to appointments with me and could easily compare to when he first started coming to my appointments and they would immediately listen. 
I would say the exact same thing that I said at a past appointment with the same doctor. And when they didn't listen before, when I was alone, they would now listen when my husband was there. So it was an easy comparison. (laughs) So it's, I mean, yeah, you and I discussed the fact um, when we first met about that there's always been that long held belief that, you know, women are hypochondriacs in, in many, in, in many areas, not just in, in healthcare, in terms of being worried about our children, in terms of, you know, healthcare, in terms of um, just being anxious in general. Um, I have, you know, swelling in my ankles that back in the day could have been a reason to even put me in a psych in a psych ward. So there's been long held discrimination against females, especially if they have any sort of physical symptoms. It's like, we don't matter, you know, like we're, we're very low on the totem pole in terms of um, being respected. And what I liked about my immunodermatologist is that she one time even said to me, with how sick it looks like you've been, if you hadn't been looking on Google and researching things, I would be more worried because that would mean that you no longer care about yourself. So I I think that when patients bring in information, again, people might take the perception that that's a sign of hypochondria when they're just actually trying to figure out what's wrong with them. And then when you add on the fact that it's also a female and she's bringing in, you know, identifies as as female, she's bringing in this information that heightens um, a sense that this must, must be hypochondria. Right. But so then when you brought in your husband, then you started noticing a distinct difference. So and Justin, you've um, heard Heather talk about the differences in between how she's been treated going in by herself now versus when she brings you in. And you and I just spoke a few minutes ago and you said some made some really good points that um, I maybe wouldn't have really thought about. So what is we'll, we'll have to kind of revert back to what you were just saying probably about 10 or 15 minutes ago before we started the podcast. Um, what has this experience been like for you watching Heather upset and people not listening to her? And how do you think that your presence helps in these appointments? Well, yeah, it, it, it bothers me when she's coming home and she's frustrated and just upset because they're not listening to her and she's in pain and she wants to do something about it because she hates the way her life's going. And I mean, I feel bad because she can't do anything. She can't go anywhere. And um, so, yeah, when we, when we go in there then, and then they they'd start listening, you know, they'd be attentive. And so what I was saying is that, you know, whether they're male or female doctors, they've both been trained by the same people. It's the same people in the medical schools that train both male and female doctors at the same time. So if those uh, prejudices, prejudices, I would say, are ingrained into them, that maybe the doctors don't even realize that they've been trained that way. Mm-hmm. So is there something that people need to do to bring forth um, just awareness that, hey, you're being discriminative you probably don't even know you're doing it 
and it, it's just it has to be it has to be addressed on some level and uh but it also seems like if you try to tell a doctor they're wrong they're instantaneously they're defensive because mm-hmm. they're never wrong that's what it seems like when you go in there so but i i don't know if it's because i'm a big scary dude that maybe they <laughs> need to uh pay attention and listen or you know but that's been my experience gonna... If you, if you don't mind me jumping in, I think you made a really good point, and, and we discussed this before we started the podcast. Um, you made the point that it's it's different when it's just one on one, because right. it's, it's your word against the, the physicians, and obviously it's their office, and they're right. the one that's have gone through schooling, and you're the one that usually doesn't have uh, the same amount of schooling. Um, but when there's a third person in the room then that makes the di- the dynamic changes because right. now it's no longer one-on-one it's no longer just your word against mine there's a, a third person in there to uh confirm what right. is being discussed right, right. yes it, it 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 brings in accountability they have to be accountable at that point mm-hmm. um because there's a there is a witness i mean as bad as that sounds for medical care that is the reality of the situation Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it uh, the only where it helps us is with me being self-employed. I can take off days to take her to the doctor to go with her. If I was if I was working for somebody else, if I was employed in a factory or somewhere else, I wouldn't be able to do this. I wouldn't be able to take off every time she has to go to the doctor and be able to go with her. It would just be an impossible situation at that point. But, uh, yeah, and I mean, I, you make a, a very, oh, sorry, Heather. That's okay. <laughs> um, I, you know, this month I'm seeing doctors every week. And when I was at the height of my issues trying to get them diagnosed, I was seeing multiple doctors a week. Um, and, you know, that was even before I met him and then after I met him. So, I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a full-time job just to go to these appointments and advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's exhausting. I mean, I used to find that as well. It was really exhausting, Um, emotionally draining. You sometimes you you go into the, I I would build up myself before going to appointment. Like this is the one, (laughs) you know, they're going to find out what's wrong. They're going to support me. And then sometimes you'd leave the appointment and you would just be completely crushed depending on what occurred in the appointment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it gets really emotionally defeating and to handle that all on your own is really difficult and it's really lonely. And, you know, with what Justin said, you know, my, well, he's now my ex-spouse, but at the time my spouse worked on the road and was gone sometimes even five weeks out of the, you know, every couple of months um, as, as a rigor. And so I, I had to handle everything on my own a lot of the time. So it was a very few times that he was able to come with me, but that was one of the appointments that I made him come with me just due to the fact that I needed that allergist to take a look at those videos because it was consistent with progesterone allergy. So it it can cause um, desperation almost like you do it out of desperation at times because that appointment was so important to have an allergist say, this is a possibility. Right. And I like, I've actually had doctors put on my chart that I have 
a psychiatric disorder, I can't actually remember the name, but where you can't control your emotions because I'll be in an appointment, I'll be desperate for relief and I'll start crying. Mm -hmm. And I cry when I get angry. (laughs) So if I'm crying, (laughs) it's bad. And they will just assume that I'm crying because, you know, I'm a hypochondriac or something rather than I'm crying because I'm in chronic pain and they're not listening or not helping me at all. Um, I mean, I've had like four doctors put that same thing on my chart that I can't control my emotions when all I did was cry in an appointment because <laughs> I was, it's, it is emotionally draining. I can't, there's been times where when he doesn't come to an appointment and I come home and I'm crying like ugly crying on the way home because they just didn't listen to anything and it was a total waste of money and time (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah I mean your dynamic as well is different because I'm in Canada so we just pay through the healthcare system through our taxes right so you know on top of it like you said you just maybe got um you know had a negative experience and on top of it you had to pay them yeah, which yeah. outright in, in many cases, which I have no reference to um, for the most part. So and I, I've had two different types of insurance. Um, I was on very good, like federal employee insurance under my dad. Uh, but in America, when you turn 26, which was uh, last year, I don't know, <laughs> Over a year ago now. Um, you have to switch to your own insurance. And since I can't work, I had to get marketplace insurance, which is pretty bad. (laughs) And without the tax credit that we get taken out because of our income, we would be paying like 1400 bucks a month for this pretty horrible insurance that denies practically everything. And then you still got to pay for doctors that aren't listening. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that, that brings up an interesting point. I mean, the, the, whether it's sexism, whether it's, um, you know, just any type of discrimination that, that patients run into, into these appointments, it creates a snowball effect. So now it's snowballing into other areas of your, your life and, and your finances and all that sort of stuff. So this is why, you know, this podcast needs to, like somebody, we needed, I needed, felt a need to do it because I don't think until we discuss these situations uh, in in depth, do people actually realize the impact that these being misdiagnosed or being undiagnosed can have on a person's life and, and how it can trickle down into um, almost life destruction in some cases, right? So uh, that's pretty much what it did for me. I mean, between 2018 and I mean, even this year, I've lost everything. And I can, I can look back and say that it was all because of my medical issues and having lost my job. Like I wouldn't have foreclosed on my house that was in Michigan if I hadn't lost my job because of my disabilities. Um, So it's just, there's a whole trickle down effect of everything gets hit by it. Like you can't ignore it. And I can't, you know, like Justin said, I sit in the house all day, every day pretty much. I mean, I can't really do anything because of the pain and the fatigue. So, I mean, even doing like a load of laundry is excruciating for me. So then it ends up, you have a messy house 
and that makes your mental health even worse. <laughs> so it just affects every part of your life. And then I'm sure if you mention that in appointments that you feel that you can't work and all that sort of stuff, it just adds, again, it just adds on um, this snowball effect and this um, cyclical situation just adds and creates more sexism or more discrimination when the patient is in the office. Uh, and, you know, cause it, it, it almost um, validates the professional's opinion of you. If you go in and you're talking to them about all these issues, but nobody's trying to figure out how the patient got there. Right. right. So that's, these are the, the reasons why this podcast was created. So Justin, is there anything else that, that you can think of to add on? Like what are, so like you, I, I don't know if it was from our conversation before, or if it was during this podcast, I think it was the conversation before um, where you stated that for yourself, when you do go to the doctor, you feel heard for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I, but at the same time, there was some times I had some health issues 10, 15 years ago. And they just wanted to, it seemed like, and at that point, I was self-employed and that was before the Obamacare and everything. So you were on your own for insurance back then. So for the most part, I had a, a catastrophic policy. So if I got hurt on the job or something, I would be taking care of emergency room situations and stuff like that. Regular doctor's visits, I just paid for out of pocket. And all they want to do is run test after test after test. And I spent one year, like $20,000 on tests. And we, oh, we don't know what's wrong with you. We can't find anything wrong with you. So I just started reading books and looking at everything online I could. And I basically fixed myself because they just wouldn't listen or just all they want to do is run test after test after test. And it's just running you into the ground money-wise. And I can buy a book for $35 and read it in two days and start doing what the doctor said that wrote the book. And for me, it worked. And I fixed myself within a few months and got out of my situation. But um, yeah. So other than the, the, I mean, for, for you, it was the financial side of things, just the amount. Was, of this was the financial side of thing and just wanting to run every test known to man and just keep coming then back. And you, they run the tests. And then if something comes back, you know, weird or just off center, you know, it's a tiny bit higher, or tiny bit low. Right. That's not normal. They ignore it. Whereas you paid all that money to run tests and they're like, Oh, you're fine. Um, like for me, I have the same experience where luckily insurance now pays for the test for the most part. But I mean, at one point they did 40 blood tests at once. They like sucked all my blood out. And then, and that was a rheumatologist when they were looking for the autoimmune issues. And like four of my, four of those 40 tests came back irregular and showed that, you know, I probably had RA uh, rheumatoid arthritis or lupus. And they said, Oh, they're normal when even the lab marked them as high or super low, the hospital's ranges that they use, they considered them normal and just ignored it. 
Okay, yeah. So the difference in um, in systems, you know, like the hospital's values versus uh, the the um, uh, the actual blood work, right? Um, so Justin, did you ever feel though, like did, did anyone, when you were going through that and you're going through test to test, did you ever get the sensation or did any of the doctors ever tell you that they felt that you had a mental illness? Uh, no, I was never told I had a mental illness. I was just told that they couldn't find anything. Oh, okay. But okay. they never said that I was crazy or that I was uh, distraught or any type of thing like that. Um. One of the things they did tell me was just anxiety and wanted to give me medication and I didn't want to be on medication. I wanted to figure it out. So I started working out and lifting weights and doing stuff like that, which did help. But um, her situation, she's in so much pain, she can't work out. She can't go for a walk. She can't, you know, even just lift simple barbells or dumbbells to just to help work with the stress side. She can't even do that because of the pain. So, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've I've actually had doctors and they're specialists. So like um, the pain management, when I had my neurological, my back issues and everything, um, they told me I need to exercise. And I can't even, you know, sitting on the couch is excruciating. Walking is excruciating. And at that time, my nerve pain was so bad in my legs that I could not walk. It felt like I was walking in a fire it hurt so bad and they would still tell me to go on a walk (laughs) and I I also have um two heart conditions which one of them is POTS and so I have a very high pulse and even you know just standing from sitting will cause my pulse to in my blood pressure to skyrocket so it's literally not safe for me to exercise but yet I still had even a cardiologist tell me to exercise instead of putting me on a heart medication or something, which luckily I actually found a good cardiologist, um, a male too. And he actually listened and, but unfortunately I had to stop the medication because I got pregnant. Um, But, you know, they love to tell women and I guess men too, that it's anxiety and you need to exercise. Even when your conditions say you absolutely should not be exercising. (laughs) Well, I'm happy that you finally found, you know, um, I mean, that's my situation as well. It took me years, but eventually I did find physicians that uh, I have a great relationships with now and, and all that. So, you know, it's, it's a good, at least it, it gives you that hope that you at least like that there's physicians out there that you connect with and having those connections, I think are really important once you, once you find somebody right? So that you can focus on the, the positive, um, your positive relationships with physicians versus continue, continuously going back to a physician that you don't feel um, like you're being heard is a really uh, dismal place to, to be, right? Yeah. And like, I mean, I told you, I've seen easily thousands of doctors, probably a little over a thousand. And I still have not found a good uh, primary care doctor, which we have to have in America because in order to see a specialist, you got to get referrals. Um, I had thought I found a really good one uh, when I moved down here. And at the same time, when I got kicked out of the neurologist who's in the same practice, um, 
when I had asked, you know, I need this to be taken seriously because I've lost my entire memory at like 27 and that's not normal. And uh, her message to me, because this was over the my chart thing where I had messaged her and I even sent her videos too of like my neurological issues. And she said, you make me feel inferior telling me that I'm not, you know, not helping you. Um, and I'd never even said that. I didn't say, you know, you're not helping me. I said, I just need you to take my symptoms seriously. If there's tests you can run, I need you to run them. And she said, I made her feel inferior. Um, and which is the same thing that the OB said, uh, in a similar practice, like right down the road. Uh, and they all three kicked me out in the same day, like within hours of each other because they can see the other messages to my other doctors in the system. And they were like, oh, if she's saying that to another doctor, <laughs> what's she gonna say to me? So they all dropped me. So I haven't seen my PCB in over a year. And now that I'm pregnant, I'm just seeing my OB, which she's very good. And Justin even agrees, he really likes her too. So I almost wish that she could be my primary doctor <laughs> because <laughs> she actually listens. And she's also knowledgeable about my you know specialty conditions which is interesting because my pcp definitely isn't <laughs> well and, and when does the baby do again uh september early september oh yes that's right because like, we talked about the fact you'd have to go through all yes. summer <laughs> <laughs> which is not fun. looking forward to that <laughs> well um i mean i'm i'm happy again that you found you know another physician it's not the one that you want though that's the only problem you know but those positive relationships are so important for your mental health right and in order to to finally get the proper diagnosis you know you have to have a good relationship right so with that uh, i want to thank both of you for coming on today and telling everyone your story and I hope that the uh, delivery all goes great for you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. So with that, we're going to end the episode of this episode of the patient's perspective. And I hope everybody has a great day. I'm so happy you were able to join in and listen to us today. If you have an episode idea or would like to share your story, please email me at info at thepatientsperspective.com or join our Facebook page under the same name. From all of us who are working hard bringing patient issues to light, thank you for tuning in and supporting The Patient's Perspective.